God and your job. That's what we're talking about today. God and your job. Uh, we spend a lot of time at work. Um, they say that if you work about 40 hours a week and uh, you put a little bit of overtime in here and there, that you will actually work 2,000 hours in a year. It's a lot of hours spent at work. Uh, a lot of people will spend a third of their life at work, a half of their waking hours at work. And so when we're talking about work, this, this is a lot of time spent for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're a, a stay-at-home mom or you're an engineer or you're in retail sales or you're going to school because that's kind of work too. We spend a lot of time in our life working. And then you come home from work sometimes and you've got more work to do at home. And so it's a huge topic when we talk about how does God fit into our work? Does he even fit into our work? How should we think about our work and God and the kingdom? And those are some of the things that we're going to be looking at over uh, the next couple of weeks and maybe even past that. But for some people, uh, they can't really see how God fits into their job. They're like, God and my job, I don't think they really fit together. I mean, I feel God when I go to church or I feel God when I'm reading my devotions or when I'm praying. But then I kind of go to work and don't think much about God and God doesn't really fit into my job, just another place in my life, you know. And they make a distinction between sort of the spiritual world, the kingdom, and their job. For other people, they might say, well, I think my job is my God. You know, that's where I get my fulfillment from. That's where I get my satisfaction from. In fact, I like my job more than I like God. So lots of different ways that people look at work and, and God and their job and how that fits in. So we're going to be talking about that. And we want to begin with this premise, and that is that God has wired us for work, and work is a good thing. Now, in our culture, we don't see this. We think that work mostly is kind of a necessary evil. That, man, I, I got to go to work, and I just look forward to the weekends, because that's when life really begins, or it's 5 o'clock, and I get to go home. Thank God it's Friday, you know, the Monday blues, you know. Or, and if I could just get one of those quick, rich schemes, one of those thingamajigs, you know, that was actually legit, I'd be set. Or if I could just win the lottery, I wouldn't have to work. I mean, we look forward to retirement. We, we just look forward to not working. This is kind of our culture. That we live for our weekends. We live for our vacations. But work just sucks, right? That's kind of our cultural thinking. It's a necessary evil. But, you know, that's not biblical. And we as Christians should not walk around with that kind of attitude or that kind of worldview. Because God actually says that work is a good thing and that we're actually created to work. Uh, God, who is our God, I think we're slow today, is a God who works. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first chapter of the Bible we see God working. He's creating the universe, the, the heavens and the earth. I mean, you think it's hard to put a cake together or, you know, build a house. God builds the universe. He is a working God. And God is perfect. And God is good. So the very first verse in the Bible tells us that work is not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. Genesis 2 says the heavens and the earth were completed with everything that was in them, by the seventh day, God finished the work 
actually calls it work, that he had been doing. He ceased on the seventh day all the work he had been doing. God is a God of work. Now, he rested on the seventh day, but that doesn't mean he stopped working for the rest of his God's life, right? <laughs> he's eternal, and he's always working. That's what John chapter 5 says. Jo Jesus told them, my father is working until now, and I, too, am working. God is always working. Jesus came, and he worked. He spent time working as a carpenter. And Jesus is perfect, and Jesus is good, and he worked. Work is not an, a necessary evil. It is not a negative thing. In fact, we see God doing all kinds of work even today. I mean, you could think about him holding the universe together and, and doing these amazing things, but he's also doing little bits of manual labor, being a gardener, being a, you know, someone who's watering the field, growing grass. This is what Psalm 104 says. Says you, that's God, make springs pour water into the ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain, so God's sending rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with uh, the fruit of your labor. So. The earth is filled with the fruit of his work, of his labor. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. And God is watering. He is providing. He is a gardener. God is a God who is working. And so we cannot see work as an evil thing, as a bad thing, as a negative thing, because God, who is perfect, works, and he works a lot. Now, we are created in God's image. And we as well were actually created to work. That we find a lot of uh, satisfaction and fulfillment when we begin to live the way God designed us to live, and that is to work. Uh, we see this in the uh, in, uh, book of Genesis again. It says, God created humankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, you need to get to work. Be fruitful and multiply, right? And, and I mean, well, that doesn't seem like work at first, but it, it is work. I mean, you've got to raise your kids and teach your kids and, and you've got to provide for your kids. Uh, the idea of filling the earth, that means I want your kids have more kids and grandkids, and I want the earth to be filled with people because God loves people. But you know what that implies? A lot of work. Roads, trails, buildings, civilization. Right off the bat, when God talks about filling the earth and multiplying, this, this is a job description. This is work. When you're building a house, when you're building a road, when you're constructing things, this is actually part of God's design for us. It's not an evil thing. It's not a negative thing. And then he says, subdue it. Subdue the earth. And we might think of a violent term, you know. Uh, this is still before the fall. This is still before sin entered the world. And this word uh, means more like stewarding the earth. In fact, I kind of like what the ESV study Bible had to say about this word. It said, here is the idea 
that man and woman are to make the earth's resources beneficial for themselves, which implies they would investigate and develop the earth's resources to make them useful for human beings generally. This command provides a foundation for wise scientific and technological development to subdue the earth. That means we research, we discover, we take some of the things that God has created and we make them into something beautiful. We're developing, we're learning, we're growing. This is, this is all a part of God's plan. And this is all before the fall of mankind. That work was not a result of sin and the curse. Uh, we also see God saying to uh, Adam and Eve, says, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the entire earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the animals of the earth and to every bird of the air and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath, the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. God saw all that he made and it was very good. He gives them work and he says, this is very good. And I don't know what we think if we think that there was no work before the fall. I mean, can you just picture Adam and Eve just sitting there lying down the whole day and if they're hungry, like God just makes a carrot float out of the ground and kind of float towards their mouth and you'll boop. I mean, no, they had to work for their food. They they had to, to develop the garden and probably pick their food and work the ground. I mean, this is all a part of a perfect world. That work is not a negative thing. Work is not a bad thing. It is not a sinful thing. And I can guarantee you, and this may be a bummer, but uh, when we are in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be working. We're not going to be sitting around like sucking on our thumbs all day. I mean, right? And so the point here is, uh, one more verse here, Genesis 2, says the Lord God took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to care for it and maintain it. Before the fall, they had to care for the garden and maintain the garden, develop the garden. This is all work before the fall. And so uh, we need to kind of get in our mind this. That work is not a result of sin and and the fall of man. And sometimes we, again, think that. We just think work is so horrible. This is all evil. Vacation is good. That's godly. Work is evil. Actually, you were designed to work. And it's a good thing. I mean, we, again, get a lot of fulfillment and, and satisfaction from, from work. I mean, there's a lot of frustration, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But, I mean, you go and talk to people who can't work. You maybe go talk to someone who is, is very elderly and just really can't do anything. I mean, they, they say things like, if I could just, it would be so nice if I could just help. So great if I could just do something to, to bless someone or you look at someone who has nothing to do, they sit there all day and they can't do anything, that's called prison. It's called solitary confinement, right? I mean, we understand that, that we are created to work and that we're designed to work, and work is a good thing. I mean, it's like a fish. When you put a fish in water, that's what a fish was designed to do, and it thrives in the water. But you take a fish out of water and you plop it, like, on the dry ground, it'll begin to suffer and, and shrivel and And God has designed us to work. Work is like being a fish in the water. When we cease to work and we never lift a finger to do anything day after day, year after year, that's like a fish outside of the water. We were designed to work. Work is a good thing. 
Now, rest is a good thing, too. And we'll probably talk that in a future sermon. But we're wired for work, and work is a good thing. On the other hand, we all realize that work can be really frustrating, right? Sometimes work really does suck, right? It's hard, and it's horrible. And that's because... It's not because work is a bad thing. It's because work has been affected by the fall. It said this, uh, after Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, it says, the ground is cursed because of you. That's their sin. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you eat, will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. So now they're going to struggle to scratch a living. Now there's going to be thorns and thistles in their garden, in their work, and this is still today. I mean, farmers struggle with pests and weeds, and unless you're Monsanto, right? That's another story about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, sometimes there's conflict at work, right? Uh, sometimes things break on the job. Some, sometimes Things didn't go right with the customer. Sometimes I mean, you get fired. I mean, there, there are all kinds of such frustrating things associated with work. And that shouldn't surprise us because we're all under the curse. He says there's going to be thorns and thistles. We're going to struggle to scratch a living. But again, it's not all bad. Because it says amongst the, the thorns and thistles, there's still fruit. There's still grain. And even though our jobs are really frustrating at times, there there still is fruit and there still is grain. And if you look close enough, you can see the goodness of God thriving and flowing through your work. It's not all evil. It's not all bad. It's not all horrible. And this also keeps us from always thinking there's a perfect job out there. Okay, because some reason we just always think that. There's got to be a perfect job out there. And some people like are just constantly jumping from job to job to job because they're like, this job is frustrating. Thorns and thistles. Well, maybe that job is perfect. Maybe go try this job. And there's thorns and thistles here. Like maybe that one. And, and they keep running from job to job. But every job is filled with thorns and thistles. Now, you should try to find a job that matches your gifts and the way you're wired. But every job will have issues. Every job will have problems. And so be careful about being jealous of other people. Because I think probably everyone who works in here uh, does this, especially if you don't like your job. In fact, statistics say only 50% of people actually like their job. The other 50 are either sort of satisfied, don't like it, or hate it, right? And when you're not sort of satisfied, don't like it, or hate it, you look at your neighbor and go, man, if I just had a job like that, I'd be so much easier. My job is so frustrating, but if I had that job, everything would be okay. In fact, uh, men's breakfast a couple weeks ago, we, we watched a little thing, a uh, clip on this, and I want to show it, because it, it was a bit humorous. Well, I'm an electrician, and I work for the city. Well, it's a tough job now, and it, it can be dangerous. Of course, you're out in the weather all the time. I make a living, but uh, it's tough. I mean, uh, sometimes on evenings or weekends, I'll pick up a little electrical job just, you know, for a little extra cash. 
it's just hard to get ahead, you know. Of course, I go home sweaty and dirty at the end of every day. You know, sometimes I think about these old boys who sit up there in their offices, and I bet first thing they do when they get to the office in the morning is check sports scores on their computer. Then they do a few emails, you know, and make a few phone calls, and that's pretty much a day. Hell, the only time an old boy like that sweats is when the elevator's broken and he has to use the stairs. I am a senior vice president for a successful consulting firm. Yeah, I climb the ladder quickly. I make great money and I have great job security. So yeah, it seems uh, at first glance that I have a good thing going on. The phone never stops ringing. I, uh, I work directly with the client, so it, uh, it makes me pretty much beholden to their schedule, which means I never get a moment to, to disconnect. I'm constantly in meetings, which means I never get anything done, which means I leave work at the end of the day thinking about the work that I still have to get done, which means when I do get home, I can't even enjoy the little time that I have with my family. Last week, there was a, uh, there was a maintenance crew working right outside my office window. I was on the phone just watching the crew, and this one guy in particular caught my eye. He was working out there with his earphones on, you know, listening to music. He hadn't shaved in two weeks. He was drenched in sweat, but just soaking it in, you know? I mean, he doesn't know how good he has it. He shows up to work that day, does the job he's told to do, and when the whistle blows, he goes home. It must be nice. I'm a high school football coach. Um, go Eagles! <laughs> I've been a football coach for about 15 years. I played ball at a Division III school. Um, and when I graduated, I wasn't quite ready to give up playing football yet, so, or, or being around football at least. So I, I like working with kids. I figured I'd be a coach. It seemed like a perfect fit. And watching those young men develop as players and, and as people um, is the greatest feeling in the world. Well, you know, people are like, Bobby, you got it made. You, you get to coach football and make a difference in those kids' lives but it's not what they think. I mean, the parents are a nightmare, and the bureaucracy is even worse. I, I feel like a politician more than anything, more than a coach or a mentor, at least. But what it all boils down to is winning. You would think it's about developing the kids, building their character, but it isn't. It's about winning and losing. I mean, last year, 100% of my seniors graduated and went to college, but nobody cares. All they care about is that we went five and five in the season. And everyone knew it was a rebuilding year. Maybe I should have just, I don't know, got my MBA and got a corporate job. Maybe I missed out. <laughs> it is quite true. And uh, you'll see that. I mean, sometimes even between, like, husbands and wives, you know, like if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're like, man, I'd be so good if I could just get out of the house and, you know, get away from all this. And, you know, the husband's looking at the wife and saying, it'd be so nice if I could just stay at home. And uh, even in my profession, um, like being a pastor, like I know uh, some pastors, they just kind of think, it must be just easier out there. You know, you don't get two days off in a row and, you know, wouldn't have to be on call all the time and so on and so on. And, and they quit thinking it's easier at a normal job and they find there's thorns and thistles out there too. I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm actually thankful 
I worked as a mechanic for a long time before going into the ministry because as a mechanic, things were so frustrating too. And, and this job sometimes, just I want to quit because it's so frustrating. And, and all work is like that because it's, there's thorns and thistles, but there's fruit and there's goodness if you look for it. And we'll talk more about that next week. But uh, it's very necessary for us to... Um, Consider the goodness of work. If not, we fall into a couple traps. One is that you'll think that you just have to endure your job. If you don't realize that good uh, work is a good thing, and you don't realize that, uh, that uh, God created work, you'll just pretend that you have to endure. It's just like, I just got to get through this week. I'm just, I got to endure my job. I just got to hang on to retirement. And you will totally miss out what God wants to do for you at work. If you're just enduring, you'll not be looking for how God wants to use you and bless you. You'll miss out on the goodness of work. Secondly, you will take jobs that you're not suited for or enjoy but pay well. If you don't realize that work is a good thing and a blessing, that all you see that work is is for money, just for a paycheck, then you're going to go grab the highest paying job even though you totally might not be gifted for it. And that will just make it that much more frustrating. Uh, we are to work in jobs that we are, are more matched to and suited to. Third thing that can happen is that you might rather choose unemployment if no other work is under you. That if work is evil, work is a horrible thing, it's all about a paycheck. If I'm unemployed and I used to work for $25 an hour, I'm not taking a $15 an hour job because that's beneath me. Because Work is horrible, right? But if you understand work is a good thing, if you understand that God even is planting grass and watering things, you begin to realize that every job has value, dignity, and worth. And it's no less for you to work at a fast food place as it is for you to work as an engineer, that all jobs carry worth and value. And our identity is not supposed to be wrapped up in what we do. It is wrapped up in uh, our relationship with God. And lastly, here, uh, you will totally miss out on what God wants to do in and through you at work. Again, you think it's evil, you think it's awful, you think it's horrible, you're not going to be looking for God in your work. If you think that God's not a part of your work because work is evil, you'll never ask the question, God, what do you want me to do today at work? God, uh, is there someone you want me to talk to? God, how can I bless others? How can I bless my community? God, how can I be a value to to other people? I mean, you won't ask those kind of questions because you're convinced it's evil. So as Christians, the starting point always is work is a good thing. And I've been created to work. And the last thing I want to talk about today is another mistake that gets made when it comes to work. And that is making a separation between kingdom jobs and earthly jobs, okay? This falls into dualistic Greek kind of thinking, where anything spiritual is good and anything uh, material is bad. And and that's wrong. And this is something that Martin Luther fought uh, against over about 500 years ago in the Reformation. And it's funny how prevalent it is still today. 
that people think, if, if I really want to be used by God, if I really want to impact his kingdom, then I have to be a pastor or a missionary, you know, or do something full-time in ministry because I can't really impact God. I can't really be a part of his kingdom work if I'm a carpenter or a lawyer or an engineer or a baker. That, that is wrong thinking, by the way. Every job is a kingdom job. doesn't matter if you're a pastor or you work at a retail store, every job is a kingdom job. In case you're like a, a hitman or a, you know, run like a <laughs> pornography ring or something like that, right? Uh, Luther said this. He said, it is pure invention that popes, bishops, priests, and monks are called to be the spiritual estate, princes, lords, artisans, and farmers, the temporal estate. That is indeed a fine bit of lying and hypocrisy. You see, what, they, what they said in that day is if you really wanted to please God, you had to be a monk, a nun, or a priest. Any other job was not really pleasing to God. It was kind of less than. I mean, you, you were just kind of, you were lacking bonus points. So if you were really dedicated to God, you had to become a priest, a nun, or a monk. And Martin Luther is saying this is, this is hypocrisy, and it is. And he goes on. He says, yet no one should be frightened by it. And for this reason, all Christians are truly of the spiritual estate. And there is among them no difference at all but that of office or job, right? Through baptism, all of us are consecrated to the priesthood. As St. Peter says, uh, this is old King James, ye are, ye are royal priesthood, a priestly kingdom. And the book of Revelation says, thou hast made us by thy blood to be priests and kings. And that is, every Christian is a priest. We're called to be a part of the royal priesthood. Whether you're a baker or a pastor, we're all priests in a sense. And we're all doing kingdom work. If you begin to think that there are some jobs that are really kingdom work and other jobs that are not kingdom work, then you'll say some of the things that God does is not really kingdom thinking. Again, remember, we looked at some of the things that God did. God does a lot of things that are considered manual labor. He creates the heavens and the earth. He maintains the garden. He's watering. He's planting grass for the cows. When Jesus came, he spent most of his life as a carpenter. More of his time was spent as a carpenter than as in, in full-time ministry. I mean, he worked, and, and God is perfect, and God is good. And there is nobody who is more pro-kingdom than God. He doesn't see watering the grass as this is not kingdom work, but this is kingdom work. All work is to be considered kingdom work. Uh, Tim Keller said this. He says, Christians cannot look down on labor involving more intimate contact with the material world. Caring for and cultivating this material world has worth, even if it means cutting the grass. This also means that secular work has no less dignity and nobility than the sacred work of ministry. Uh, um, Luther put it this way. Well, maybe I'll get to that. Paul put it this way. This is talking to people who had, like, ordinary jobs, right? He says, as the Lord has assigned to each one... And God has called each person, so he must live. I give this sort of direction in all the churches. Paul uses the word assigned and calling. 
people's jobs. That God has actually assigned this to you. That God has actually called you to this job. And whatever job you have right now, if it's a stay-at-home mom or school or you, got, you work or whatever it might be, you need to see that as a calling from God. That means it's kingdom work. If God has not called you to be a pastor or a missionary, then you've got to do what you're called to do. If God calls you to be a pastor or a missionary, then you go. But if God calls you to be working with your hands, that's not less than kingdom work. In fact, God can do as much through someone who does manual labor as he can through me as a pastor. And the only reason you miss out on that is if you go into this dualistic thinking where you start separating God from your work and you just say, well, God can't do anything at work because I'm just, you know, making things in assembly line or whatever. You're missing out on what God and how he designed work. One more quote from Luther here. He says that God is milking the cows through the vocation of the milkmaid. In other words, even a milkmaid is doing kingdom work because God is working through them. And uh, I never really thought about this, and uh, I just had finished reading uh, a Tim Keller book called Every Good en Endeavor. It's a great book on this subject. Uh, but he, he was talking in there, and Luther was talking about this too, just about the idea of that when we pray things like, God, would you give us our daily bread? That the answer to that prayer is farmers who are planting seed and cultivating. The answer to that prayer is truck drivers who are delivering that food to grocery stores. The answer to that prayer is a grocery store. It's the checkout lady. It's the, the delivery clerk. That, that's all part of kingdom work, answering our prayers. And I'm so thankful that God has called some people to be farmers and God has called some people to own a grocery store and some people to be a truck driver because that's how I get fed. When we pray, God, would you protect us and our society and our country? God uses police officers and military and governments. I mean, you begin to realize that how much that we enjoy is actually God milking the cows through the vocation of a milkmaid. Every job is a kingdom job. And next week, we're going to go more and to talk about what does that look like? How, how should I see my work? How can I see God in my work? What should I be thinking about? What should I be doing? Because I really do believe that God can use you as much in your job as he can use me in my job. Because every job is a kingdom job. God is at work powerfully through all who believe and trust in him. Okay, and so we'll pick that up next week. Uh, thank you for hanging in. Let's stand as we uh, close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have called us all, God, into ministry. God, that everything we do is kingdom work. God, I pray for blessing on all of us, God, who are in various positions to be able to see you better and where you're moving and where you're working. God, I pray that you would help us have a kingdom mindset. We're not dividing the spiritual between the physicalness of your kingdom, that we would have a wholesome view, God, of how you work and what you're doing. God, we pray blessings on us today. God, we ask for your favor upon us as we go. God, might you fill us uh, even more so, God, with your spirit that we might love you and love others around us this week. 
And God, most of all, we are just thrilled to be saved. God, we're so excited to be forgiven and filled with grace and filled with passion and given a new heart and given a new power. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And so go with us in power in Jesus' name. Amen.